0: Welcome to another Not The Top 20 podcast with me, Ali Maxwell, and him, George Ellick. As ever, we're going to be rattling through all the top stories from the EFL over the past week. And this week, uh, the structure is fairly simple. There have been two rounds of fixtures since we last spoke last Monday. And What we're going to do is look at all the teams across the EFL who won both of their games and all the teams who lost both of their games. And we're going to go through each team and just touch on them and, and wonder how excited are we about these teams who are, who are on a winning run? How, how worried are we about the teams who aren't doing so well? Um, and we hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you do, please do drop a retweet, a follow, a subscribe, all of the above. Um, only parish notice is make sure you keep Thursday evening free. 7pm, George and I joining David Pratton, on EFL matters on Sky Sports football, it is a League One and League Two special. So um, definitely tune in if you're a fan of it. The- I hope that wasn't a secret.
1: <laughs> we'll keep it going
0: anyway. It's fine. It's, it's fine. fine. Yeah, yeah it's we, fine. We, it's it's going to be sowing the seed. It's going to be a League One special. If it was a secret, it's out the bag now. Um, but it's really exciting to be going on there and chatting League One and League Two. So looking forward to that. Um, we had an excellent week on the betting show. So if you're on the fence about that, make sure you get involved this week as well. Uh, we'll be releasing the new podcast on Thursday. Um, but into the meat and drink we're going to get straight into things before we start going through teams on good or poor form we're going to talk about the major managerial news because Paul Hurst has left Ipswich town and he's been replaced by Paul Lambert a weird quirk of this I actually worked with Paul Lambert um, on Wednesday night on a Champions League show that I work on and no mention of it and then on Thursday morning, Paul Hurst gets a sack and
1: Lambert straight in. So a bit disappointed because we could have maybe broken that news. <laughs> <laughs> it um, would have been good. I think he's probably heard about your, uh, the size bets you put on manager markets when you, when you, when you get a sniff of something.
0: Yeah, um, yeah so, fair enough. Ten yeah. whole pounds sometimes. Anyway, um, George, Paul Lambert, I feel like the general reaction from Ipswich fans was not, not unanimous glee. Um, and when you look at his career and his certainly his recent jobs you can sort of understand that things did not go well clearly with Stoke just half a season he had last season relegated obviously to the championship unable to save them from a, a Mark Hughes inspired doom and gloom um, what do you think about him as an appointment for Ipswich given where they are uh, rooted to the bottom of the championship five points from safety for what they
1: need or what you perceive them to need do you like this appointment I like it more than most people I think I um, Obviously, I'm, I'm not talking as an Ipswich fan, and I can totally understand why the Norwich connections um, would annoy them because he, was, he wasn't he was just their manager. He, he you know, led them to a Premier League uh, promotion and then uh, some good times up there as well. I do think that his CV is a little bit uh, misleading. I don't think that you can read much into the Stoke debacle last season. It's a different league. It's a league he hasn't really had much success in. In which case, his CV's fairly good if you're yeah, from the villa era. If you think, you know, and also you, you kind of get sucked into the idea that he's one of these kind of old school managers, which I don't think is really fair. Um, you know, he's 49 years old. He's hardly an, an, an old guy. He had like massive success at Wickham and Colchester as a young manager, which mm-hmm. made him a really promising manager, and then obviously what happened at Norwich was was superb. Even at Wolves, where they were by no means Great. He took over a
0: club... in Parachuted a, in after Walter Zenger's era. But
1: he, I mean, he took over a team who were in a relegation scrap and improved their, their performance. They stayed up comfortably, um, including a fantastic day as well in, 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 the, uh, in the Cup. Um, he won 14 of his uh, 30-odd games, I think it was. I mean, it's a bit of a Tim Sherwood record. He had 33 league games, won 14 and lost 14. So his win percentage looks great, but the points per game isn't so good. But yeah, I think that he will definitely make them fairly solid at the back, I would have thought. Um, I don't know if he's necessarily got that much to work with. Um, my mm. pre-season positivity about Ipswich isn't looking too good at the moment. Yet again, on Saturday, they really struggled to create any chances of note whatsoever. And that's got to be a concern. Um, but I, I think given some of the names that, that were being banded about, um, seeing people actually believing that Tim Sherwood would be a good fit, for example, just shows quite how much they're scraping the barrel. Mm. And, and in Lambert, they have a manager who who could easily... Um, if if you know if if everything falls into place, he could he could do a great job there. So I'm, it's not spectacular, it's not particularly exciting, but I do think it's it's been slightly mis misjudged by in the mainstream.
0: Yeah, I think one of the suggestions, re let's say a, a call for Tim Sherwood, was just looking at the squad and looking at the, the lack of confidence, which is just so obvious, both at the back and going forward. Maybe the idea was that in this run of games, which is so important for them, that they're playing a lot of teams around them, um, that a sort of a quick fix, a quick motivator, I suppose, was needed. And I, I imagine that's where um, people started thinking about but Timmy does anyone, Sherwood.
1: does anyone know if he actually does motivate or does he just say lots of things? I don't know.
0: Yeah, But then I, I, I sort of agree with you about Lambert. Is uh, I, I still don't particularly know what his... Main features of management are, and I don't necessarily mean that as a knock on him. Maybe it's my own poor research, but um, I seem to remember his teams at EFL level playing fairly decent football. Um, him, you know, he's not—he's not, he's not a, a screamer, he's not a shouter, but um, presumably a, a, a
1: perfectly good tactician. So it, it'll be interesting to see. And, um, what... and also a fantastic player with, with you know, incredible European experience. And he seems like when you see him on TV, I mean, he's not the most passionate maybe compared to to tim but he he seems like an intelligent bloke Mm. so yeah i mean he i i think it's it's fine seven out of ten champions league winner at
0: dortmund of course paul lambert and he does quite well off the back of that i think and um uh, let's move on to to some of the teams who had a good week in the championship this week so here are the two the the teams that won two games during the week interesting quirk of this uh, all the teams that won Both of their games were playing both their games at home. uh, And six out of the seven teams that lost both games this week were playing away from home. So not necessarily surprising, but you might have thought that there'd there'd be a bit of a a difference in there. But that just shows that uh, when the games come thick and fast, home advantage does make a big difference. So I'll certainly be looking quite closely at that when the next midweek round of games comes. Uh, See see who's at home, see who's away. Anyway, uh, let's start positive. Swansea. Um, have beaten Blackburn and Reading in the last seven days. Um, Very comfortable on the weekend. Uh, A player that I wanted to flag up is Daniel James, who both uh, won the free kick, or sorry, won the penalty uh, that McBurney scored and also crossed for McBurney's second goal, McBurney with a a brace after a fairly barren spell. Daniel James, uh, a wide man, unbelievably quick. And he's shown in the last few home games at Swansea that um, he can create chances either from out wide or coming inside, um, really, really rapid. And I'm not one to, to back up the Swansea owners who I know the fans aren't particularly happy with, but we spoke a lot at, at transfer deadline time about the, the disappointment from Swansea fans about a lack of additions, essentially, um, bolstering the squad. But Daniel James, Connor Roberts, dare I say, Rodon at the back as well, three young Welsh players who, to my eyes, probably wouldn't be getting a chance if... Swansea had splurged their uh, their parachute payment money on you know on shining new players trying to get that quick fix they'd probably still be sitting in the under 23s um, like they did previously and i think that you know if if this is what Graham Potter's going to be someone who makes your players better at football and and, and turns them into a unit then i think it's excellent for the fans to have young welsh talent coming through and Daniel James very much part of that so just looking back at, at some of the anger towards the board in, in August whether this was what they meant or not um, it's sort of working out and Swansea now very much in the in the playoff hunt very much in the automatic promotion hunt
1: Definitely Jay Fulton is the oldest of their midfield and, and, and forwards at 24 who started the game on the, on the weekend oh, Wow! Um, and I think that in Potter the appointment that he made was obviously pure from Ostershands he was a person who made players better and managed to galvanise a team into far better than anyone thought they could be. Mm. And it seems like he's already doing that at Swansea right now. There's no way on paper, either is that team a, a look like a team who's just been relegated from the Premier League, not a chance. There's barely any Premier League experience in there. Um, you're looking at Norton and Olsen as basically being the only two who have got, have got genuine, like more than just Nathan Dyer
0: and Routledge are still kicking around, but not... Yeah, but and,
1: not... and well, Leroy Furr comes off the bench as yeah, well. But in terms yeah. of the starting lineup, it, it's it's really impressive what yeah. he's doing. You can almost get blinded by... By Swansea, the name. And if you actually look at the team, and if you, I think if you'd shown Swansea fans that team in July and said, this is going to be your starting lineup at the end of October, I think there'd have been panic stations. Uh, but, so do I. But Potter's making it work, and, and I think he, d- he deserves immense credit.
0: 11 goals conceded in their 15 games so far this season. Uh, all of that with with Rodon, who I mentioned earlier, the centre back alongside Van der Horn. He'd never played a professional game, uh, and um, really impressive. Uh, integration into into the first team and, of course, getting a Wales call-up as well as they tend to after a few good games at that age. Um, the one player they did spend a, a fair amount of money on was Bursant Selina, And what a player he's looked in the last few weeks. He scored a beautiful goal um, in midweek and he's just sparkling at the moment, creating chances at will. Um, a couple of really nice finishes recently. So that was clearly money very well spent. And he's the, he's the profile of player that you sign. He's been at Man City's academy for the last three years. He needs a bit of a chance to play men's professional football um, if he continues in this form. He's the, he's the profiler player that we'll see him move straight back up to the Premier League with or without Swansea, um, you know, for 10, 15 mil at some point. So good stuff there for Swans. What about Birmingham Blues, George? They were your, your best bet this weekend on the betting show and they duly obliged again um, at home to Sheffield Wednesday. 1 0 down, coming back to win 3 1. What's happening at Birmingham that's so good? Like, what is it about them, do you think, that's so good?
1: Well, I think they've been suited by. Back to back home games against two of the weakest teams in the league, but in, you know arguably, more generally. But that might you know that might ruffle a few feathers in Sheffield, but but in Sheffield Wednesday and Reading, I think they've taken on two teams who, at this stage of the season, given their unbeaten run they've been on, it's been fairly, um, it's been basically ideal. I think Hotters' form coming into it has certainly improved. He's now looking like the player that they thought they'd bought. Um, having Jukovic and Adams actually having a strike partnership that's yeah. that's clicking is something they've missed for you know years now. And, uh, and you know, in, in Jukovic, they've, I think if you'd told people that, of oh, that strike duo that Jukovic would be the striker, would be the scorer the and star. Adams the provider, yeah. I think they'd have been a bit confused. Um, do you think they're, they're ninth
0: at the moment? Do you think that's about right? Uh, if I had to put you on the spot for a prediction, do
1: you think they'll be moving upwards, staying around the same I level? Think, I think given what's happened this season and given the positivity around the club and, and the performances they're putting in, I think Birmingham fans shouldn't be accepting of ninth. Um they should have picked up more points earlier on in the season, but they've they found a way to win now. Um, they've found a way to score goals, five goals in their last two home games. Uh, going 1-0 down against Sheffield Wednesday, mm. a difficult te- enough team to break down and to score three and, and you know get two goals in the last 10 minutes. I, th- I think they're they're massively trending upwards and they're just six points off the top. I'm not fully on board. I don't think they're one of the top three or four teams in the league or anything like that. But in their current guys and the way they're, they're playing right now, the, the rate at which they're picking up points... Um, I think you've got to be looking higher than ninth. Yeah,
0: good stuff. Well, QPR are another team who have absolutely flown up the table in in recent weeks. They're up in 10th now, and they won both their games last week, including on Friday night uh, against Aston Villa. So uh, a a simple win to nil against Sheffield Wednesday midweek, and then another win to nil against Villa. 1-0. I was at the the game on Friday night, um, and they are, I think, in a similar way to Birmingham proving themselves to be very efficient operators. And for that, you you have to credit the managers, Gary Monk, and especially Steve McLaren for... um for that, but, but also for, for turning around what looked like a, a bit of a basket case after four or five games. Um, if it's true that QPR had very little to money, money to spend in the summer, that's how it looked with only Tony Leisner, the, the German defender, joining uh, permanently, then what a fantastic bit of transfer business to, to hold out, hold out, and then get Hemed and Wales right at the end of the window, which is when Premier League clubs finally say, okay, we're not going to be using these guys, you can, you can have them on loan. Um, and they're a different team now with those two. Hemed started on Friday night Wales came off the bench that's a, a really nice um, option to have and the centre-backs were brilliant Leissner as, as mentioned who came in for, from the Zweite Bundesliga and um, we've always spoken about maybe doing a, uh, a a second-tier pod for Germany France Spain so maybe maybe Germany next up Anyway, they, they, they both played brilliantly, Lynch and Leissner, absolutely solid uh, last-ditch tackles all over the show. Uh, and going forward, it's, it's fairly simple, um, but it is effective. They get the ball forward to, to Freeman and to Easy swiftly, and those guys are, are very skillful. They, 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 they have good interchange down the left-hand side. And uh, I was impressed with QPR. Uh, I don't think they'll get much higher than 10th at this stage, but um, what can you say? Uh, another team like Birmingham... Whose fans deserved a, um, a season of good football, a season of winning football, and so far that's what they're getting. Um, Millwall needed wins as well, Georgian. They got two this week, home to Wigan, and then 3-0 at home to Ipswich. Pretty routine staff. Um, they didn't really need those results, though, didn't they?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, and to have their home form back and strong is crucial. Jake Cooper, tanning provider yet again, um, saw some stats today saying, I think he's got the fourth most assists of anyone in the top five leagues. It's yeah, unbelievable. He's, yeah,
0: he's joint top assist maker in the championship with five at the moment.
1: Yeah, so I think it's only Amazing. it's only Sancho and a couple of other players out there who have got, who've got less. But yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's a massive result for them. Again, um, playing Ipswich at a very good time. Uh, slightly concerned by some of the shot data coming from that Ipswich game um, where they only had seven of them, but obviously putting away three is not too bad. Um, but you'd have to think that given um, the, the, you know, obvious weaknesses of Ipswich they're going to have to improve Mm. in terms of that but they didn't really concede many good chances whatsoever Um, I I find the championship a really interesting league this season where the gap I mean if you're probably taking out a couple towards the bottom um, who really are looking very poor I mean Bolton are obviously sliding down there Harlow down there Reading are down there and Ipswich but I just... I don't think there's much between the, the kind of 1 to 18, really, at all. I'm, I'm, I think I might stop looking at the league table because yeah. it's not doing me any
0: good at the moment. And and trying to make predictions as well. <laughs> it's just... on ch- chatting to some people on Friday night and they're like, who's going up? And I just said for the first time, no, probably because I wasn't being, you know, I wasn't being put on the spot on, on, on air for my opinions. I was just like, do you know what, I... I can't be bothered to but pick three because it's just,
1: it's if, so hard. If you think about kind of the plaudits, say that Frank Lampard's getting at the moment at Derby, completely fair enough. They're playing really, really good football. They're, they're, they're winning games, although they should have beaten uh, Middlesbrough on Saturday. They're only five points ahead of Stoke. Stoke fans want Rauer out. They're, they're panned in the media. Yeah. They, you know, yeah. It's it's just all so tight. And it's just amazing to think how much the league table's going to change. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Millwall... I can't really see them push themselves up into that upper tier, um, but back-to-back wins certainly increases their, breath- their their breathing space from the teams I just mentioned down towards the bottom. I'm interested about that that Jake Cooper stat
0: because, you know, without wanting to get too set-piece nerdy here, it, it raises the interesting one where generally it feels like teams are swinging across looking for a header um straight a goal uh, that suggests that Millwall's approach is slightly different and thinking about some of the deliveries tends to be it's obviously aimed at Cooper because he is so tall I think he's six five or six six but clearly with with the with the objective of of finding a teammate with a you know like he did with Gregory in the six yard box or out you know in front of the goalkeeper basically I think that's interesting and not something that you see a huge amount um so one to keep an eye on certainly there um A lot of listeners will have realised that we haven't spoken about Norwich at this point. Norwich are, out of all the teams that won both their games this midweek, um, in the highest position in in fourth at the moment, just two points off the top. Uh, That's because we are unveiling a new feature this week, George. And we're just going to touch on a couple of the big losers before we talk about
1: Norwich. Who who are we going to be talking to? Yeah, so stay tuned. Uh, We're going to be speaking to former player... Uh, Gregor Robertson who I had the pleasure of being on Talksport Sport 2 with the other day we're going to call this feature hopefully it's not just a one-off we're going to call it Gregor, Gregor the at the game Gregor at the game we're going to do a jingle at some stage if it carries <laughs> on um, but no, uh, Gregor is obviously writes a column for the Times he goes to a lot of um, a lot of football league EFL matches he writes for the football league paper as well and whilst I go to a fair few Oxford matches we've listened to their feedback where not <laughs> people aren't always interested to know how that, how that <laughs> game's gone um, and we just thought that speaking to someone without experience mm. who uh, goes to a lot of games on Saturdays could add an extra insight so Gregor was at Norwich Brentford to stay tuned as we speak to him uh, in about five minutes or so about that game we're going to get
0: through some of the other losers before talking to Gregor but it was great to chat to him about that game excellent writer um, and really does pick out some interesting things every time he, he, he heads to a game which thankfully for us, for us is very regularly what about some of the teams who have lost george gonna have to be a bit negative here Um, quite a lot of teams it struck me as quite surprising that seven teams lost both games in a in a round or in two rounds of fixtures Um, but various degrees of worry i think for these teams i'm talking about wigan sheffield wednesday brentford aston villa bolton reading and ipswich Uh, will go down towards the bottom starting with wigan Georgia uh, away form a real issue Wigan five wins and two draws at home one win and seven losses in their eight games away from home really undermining their home form how do how do we explain that you know when I say to you Wigan comfortable at home in every game look like a perfectly good top half team but it, it, away from home absolute whipping boys what is that what are you putting that down to
1: it's hard to really put your finger on it. Again, when I was on Talk Sport two the other day, we spoke to Dan Byrne on the phone, um, and we put we put that question to him. We said, you know, why why is the away form so bad? And that was before these these two defeats as well. And he said they don't know. You know, they're working on it and training. They're trying to work out why um, they can't seem to win games away from home. Uh, they obviously took the lead against Millwall mm. and, and and squandered it against Sheffield United. By all accounts, they were very much in the game in the first half. Um, I think they're a quality team uh, and it's not like this is a historic thing last season in, in League One they they obviously picked up a lot of points away from home um, so you have to think it's just luck of the draw basically and and surely pretty soon they're going to be picking up points away from home it doesn't get much easier though the next trip uh, away is Middlesbrough um, which you you wouldn't think they'll, have. They'll, they'll enjoy too much but they've got three home games in the next four and then they go to Bolton and Ipswich so I think if, if they don't manage to put away one of those two yeah. teams then they're a real concern. Bit of an outlier. Yeah, exactly. Co-
0: Coops, who's a Sheffield uh, United fan, uh, was at the game, said that Wigan were far more attacking than I expected. So I wonder whether uh, you know that, that could have just been a one-off. Maybe they were playing well, but maybe that there needs to be a touch more pragmatism away from home. We know that Paul Cook, very wedded to his to his system, his philosophy, to his 4-2-3-1, uh, and it's a system that has brought Wigan a lot of joy over the last 18 months, but It strikes me that if if opposition fans are surprised at how attacking they are, uh, only for them to concede four goals, then that that would seem like an obvious place to start. Uh, What about Sheffield Wednesday? George, they lost to QPR, they lost to Birmingham. I think from what their position was before this week, around mid-table, looking upwards to the playoffs, the fans were anyway. um, To have lost to QPR and Birmingham definitely constitutes a, a, a really, really poor week. But... It
1: was something that you that you saw coming. Yeah, um, all data, all shot data. Mark, if you look at Mark O'Hare's, um shot data tables that he tweets, had Sheffield Wednesday basically at the bottom for shot ratio and for XG ratio. Um, so this shouldn't have come as as a massive surprise. I'm sure you know we don't want to turn Sheffield Wednesday into into this season's Reading, but. Um, it just makes sense that you can't I don't think we had a Reading last year though so it's good it was was Reading wasn't it no we were kind of right. yeah no I guess so Um, I'm massively concerned for them Um, I really am and I think that uh, you know I went up and and spoke to Alan Biggs um, on Sheffield Live TV on Thursday and I mentioned the word relegation and everyone looked stunned they were like relegation no one's even mentioned relegation Mm. yet it's a a, you know they're a big runner in it they're only I think seven points clear at the moment um, we've spoken before about how they had a quite a favourable run of games. Um, they've got tricky matches coming up. They played, you know, the informed team in the league in Norwich, followed by the next simplest team in-, in the league by Sheffield United, followed by the next in Derby. Um, <laughs> it would be no surprise to see them on nought points from those three games. Yeah. Uh, they and it's a similar issue as, as it was with Stam and Reading, where because the results maybe mask the performances there could be a little bit too much faith in the manager, um, who I think a lot of people have decided that, that he deserves time there now because of the good run they had, and that in itself can be fairly damaging if the performances don't align. Um, so, yeah, this is my siren to say, I think I've already sounded it once or twice, yeah. but, um, I'm, I'm, yeah, Sheffield, uh, Sheffield Wednesday, I'm, I'm very concerned about.
0: Yeah, concerning stuff. Uh, we we touched on Brentford with Gregor in just a few minutes uh, at Aston Villa. Lost both games this week, away to Norwich in midweek, of course, 2-1, and and then away to QPR as well on Friday night. Uh, Matthew tweeted us to say, unhappy with the results, but happy with the performances and the emerging new style of play under Dean Smith. And walking away from Loftus Road, there was, of course, frustration from Villa fans uh, losing to Neil against QPR when um, they had a lot of possession and and less or not as much penetration as, as they would have liked. Um, there was still a feeling that, you know, that, that they do understand that the, the, the new system, the new philosophy being implemented by the manager uh, is very far removed from previously, from, from from his predecessor, Steve Bruce, who was there for, for a long time. And that's going to take a little bit of time to get used to. The, the, mo- the most pressing concern with it from my point of view at the moment is um, some of the players don't seem to me to really fit the system. It was very noticeable how poor... The fullbacks were in, in attack. Every attack basically stopped when the ball got to Hutton or to Taylor. Um, and, and QPR made sure it did by um, marking everyone very tightly apart from those two fullbacks. And the ball was just funneled that wide. And, and invariably, um, the attack would, would either slow or stop entirely to a halt. So that's clearly an issue. I think fullbacks are, are clearly going to be important in this sort of style of play. And, and it... it it just said to me that they're going to need a bit more time to find the right combinations within their squad and maybe a transfer window or two to find more balance in the squad. But um, apart from that, the main worry was a really bad bit of defending from James Chester for the goal. Uh, we've held him up as, as one of the better defenders in the championship. But uh, without Terry alongside him, as, as very much the senior centre-back now alongside Twanzebi it's it's Twanzebi that's impressing more than Chester at this stage so that's something to, to keep an eye out but some aspects of the performance um perfectly pleasing and um yeah I'm I'm not too worried about them some teams that I think we're all quite worried about in fact you you just referenced all three in one go earlier Bolton lost both their games at home this week to Forest and to Hull 0-1 to Hull and it, it looks like a fair result to be honest Bolton have scored only 11 goals in 15 games this season. I thought that they were the sort of team that didn't concede many as well, because that's sort of the way that we speak about Phil Parkinson's team and their style of play. But I noticed they they conceded 74 goals in their 46 games last season, so they weren't actually particularly strong defensively, and it's kind of the same again this year. So that is pretty concerning.
1: Yeah, I mean, their defensive record this season so far is better than most down there. I think they've conceded 20. Which is the lowest? Up it to, needs to be because to of Brentford the... Stoke. Yeah, but they're not going to score many. Um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't long ago we were fielding questions from Bolton fans asking if they could uh, get into automatic promotion. <laughs> um, that fast start is going to be really important to them. Yeah. Um, and it seems that the ugly um, side to football's reared its head again with Phil Parkinson and the comments made by the owner, who that she then had to retract. And you've got Parkinson saying before this massive game against Hull that yeah. it doesn't help. It's putting pressure on his players. It's putting pressure on him. Um, you kind of get the feeling given what happened at the back end of last season what's happening now that it won't be him leading them to safety if, they, if they're back in trouble um, which just seems pretty crazy to me given the, the financial issues they've got there and if you're just looking at the, the general calibre of the squad I think that 20th place would be a massive achievement um, but yeah to lose 4-0 in aggregate um, and they've lost their last three home games and they've only scored one goal in the last six uh, it's really really poor and it's hard to see any light at the end of the
0: tunnel. What about Reading? They lost to Swansea and Birmingham this week. They're just getting battered at the, at the moment, basically every game at this point. Uh, after five or six games, I think uh, just looking at the at the sort of underlying data at that very early stage, there was a suggestion, George, you mentioned it, that um, unlike previous years, they're actually getting a bit unlucky and that they, they were... Not projecting as such a, a terrible side, but what you sometimes see when the when the results don't catch up is the, the mental state the teams get into is such that they just collapse. Now, Callum Reading fan writes in to say this chapter will be over soon. Uh, I believe he's talking about Paul Clement's employment at the club. He could equally be talking about Reading's time in the Championship. It's just um, they just have have just consistently got worse now for since basically since we've been doing the podcast. Um, and it sounds, or, or, or have they said exactly the same well it sounds ridiculous <laughs> given their, their playoff final appearance but certainly since that point it's just been such doom and gloom and it's, uh, we, we're not going to heap it on anymore because we've been told by Reading fans that it's not that enjoyable listening to us talk about them yeah, and, yeah, and you can't really blame them uh, what about Ipswich, we've already touched on Ipswich really uh, it's a new era under Paul Lambert that he's got his hands full I think it's fair to say Uh, with with the the state of the current squad um, fully on show on the weekend, how poor they were at both ends of the pitch, um, terrible goals to concede and very little threat caused. So Ipswich under Lambert is is one that we're going to look at. Um, A nod for Stoke, who won at Bristol City, and Hull for a massive win at Bolton on the weekend. Uh, But now it's time for...
1: Well, I was just going to say a quick word on Ipswich. Um, They rank so low on basically every shot per game metric now Um, they average nine a game in total that is 0.8 less than than Bolton who are next up and then it basically rockets up from there shots on target per game just 2.4 I mean there are some teams out there who will try and score 2.4 goals a game and they're averaging that, that their shots on target count Paul Lambert has to find a way to try and get the ball forward and create chances
0: Now it's time for Gregor at the game. Gregor Robertson joining us to talk about two teams who are very relevant given the structure of this week's podcast. Norwich City beating Brentford at the weekend. Norwich two wins this week, Brentford two defeats. Here's what Gregor had to say about goings-on at Carrow Road.
1: So Gregor, you were at Carrow Road on Saturday to see an in-form Norwich defeat an out-of-form Brentford, two teams who, who certainly try and play football the right way. Was it was it a good game for the spectator?
2: It was, yes. Um, I think Brentford could feel a little, little bit hard done by, perhaps. Um, Neil Mopai had a, had a glorious chance with about ten minutes left um, after Tim Crow had made two excellent saves, and uh, he struck the crossbar from about six yards out. So that was the kind of that was the key moment for for Brentford. And other than that, the, the they had probably had more of the ball, but they didn't create any uh, great chances other than that. Um, and I think that's actually something that you've got to you've got to commend Norwich for. That's this is a, sort of you saw a new side to their game, I think, um, which we've seen in the last few weeks. Uh, they know how to defend when they need to. Um, they're also playing a little bit more direct, I think. Um, I've been to Carrode the last couple of seasons, and um, it's not been a happy place. You know, there was a sort of uh, rancorous end to, to Alex Newell's ten, uh, t- tenure at the club um, last season. Daniel Farke arrived as pretty much an unknown and took quite a lot of getting used to his, his football. The, the patience, the patience um, of the build-up play wasn't always sort of matched in the stands, uh, reflecting the stands. He didn't, you know, attack, attack, attack. That was the kind of stuff <laughs> you were hearing a lot. Um, and I think I, I wouldn't say that he's listened to the crowd, but I think he sort of realised that there might. Other ways you have to try and win a football game sometimes in the championship, and uh, I think you could definitely see that in the play. And and, and in the last the last week, especially in month, they've had three three excellent wins.
0: Gregor, your column, regular column for the Times Sport, which is called the Journeyman, even though you only played for six uh, football league clubs or, or clubs, which seems a little bit harsh. Um, this week, it did focus on on Norwich. Um, and it was it was gushing in its praise and and not overly so. Um, just in terms of some of their individual players that caught your eye, it strikes me that they've had different people contributing, different players throughout the, this good run. Um, but of course, we always talk about the, the youngsters that Norwich are bringing through and there were three uh, on show on the weekend as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, they, they, they really did catch the eye. I'd, I'd heard a lot about them, I'd seen them on a few occasions, but... Um... Jamal Lewis, left-back, 20-year-old, and Max Aaron's right-back, 18-year-old. Both, both of them were signed from Luton in 2016. So, I mean, they're, they're still being uh, thrown into the category of academy products. It's probably stretching a little bit. but um, And then there was Todd, Todd Cantwell as well, who, 20-year-old, uh, who, who was excellent. He's really, really kind of lovely poised and balanced his play, and uh, he's a classy player. Um, and the three of them combined to, to To create to, to win the penalty um, which Jordan Rhodes missed on the stroke of time, but I kind of summed up the their play Cantwell collected the ball on the inside left just sort of flicked it over uh, the right back for for Lewis to run on to. he lifted it up and, and bombing in at the back post was Ahrens was on the other side so both full backs combined and he got brought down by uh, Ollie Watkins um, so I think they've really Lewis and Ahrens have added another dimension uh, to their play, definitely. Lewis in particular will pick up the ball and just charge down the line. He's really, really powerful runner. Uh, and Cantwell's got a bit of guile about him. And I think he's someone who's probably um, helped helped kind of uh, get over the, the loss of, of James Madison.
1: And a word on Brentford as well. Obviously, the Thomas Frank era hasn't got off to the best start. Um, typical Brentford, you could say, putting in good performances and not getting the results to match. Was there an obvious change in in playing style from the Dean Smith area, or was it, was it more of the same?
2: I think it was very much more of the same, and and they were they were good, particularly in the first half. The front three were a real threat. Canos and and uh, Watkins really did their, their utmost to try and push back uh, Lewis and Ahrens to keep them defending rather than rather than attacking, and and it, it did work in the first half. Um, Mopai was lively. He had. He had Another half chance. Tim Krul spilled it, and he spilled a shot, and Mopai and just didn't quite manage to, to, to mop it up. Uh, Ramin Sawyer's was was excellent, I thought as well. He he he's the man who's who's trying to pick the passes for those forward runs. I think both teams are excellent on the on a transition and the counter. You know, as soon as as soon as uh, there's a changeover in possession, they're they're off on the shoulder and off. Uh, and that was the same with both teams, so it made for an intriguing, especially in the first half. Um, and the second half, I think Norwich really showed a sort of a new side to them, but of defensive resolve and uh, sat in and, and sort of absorbed the pressure really successfully.
0: And Gregor, just finally, uh, we wanted to ask, or uh, we'll really put you on the spot a little bit. Today on the podcast, we're looking at uh, the last two rounds of games which took place since we last sat and spoke last Monday. We're looking at teams who have won both of their games in that time and also teams who have lost both of their games and trying to work out how excited we should be about these teams or how worried on the flip side so starting with Norwich uh, they've gone into fourth place in this very tight championship Um, from what you've seen on the weekend of Norwich and of the rest of the division do you see them as as automatic promotion contenders more likely a playoff team or, or just on a good streak and falling away
2: I think the playoffs can definitely be a, a realistic game. I think the top two would be would be stretching it a little bit, perhaps. Um, but I think it, it's certainly a much happier place. I mean, they, they, it's not been it's not been a happy place since they've, since they've developed. They've had to really tighten their belts as well in terms of uh, finances, and there's it's a it's a sort of new a shift in direction for them. And I think the fans found that quite hard to to sort of accept. And now uh, they're, they're seeing that there's another way for them to still be a a force in, in the division, and uh, they've got a good balance. Daniel Fark was, was was speaking about that a lot afterwards. They've got the old heads, uh, people like Tim Close and, and uh, Tim Krul who's, who could prove to be a good signing, and then these new these new sort of uh, young youngsters that they've drafted in, and it makes for a good balance. So I think they certainly will be in the in the shake up for the for the playoffs.
0: And on the other side of things, what about Brentford? Because it's a, a an extensive. Winless run now for a team that started the season so impressively. They're down in 16th place. So, given where they are now, do you expect to see them bouncing back again and, and putting a few wins together, or uh, you know, is there a bit more concern than that?
2: I wouldn't. I wouldn't say so. I think I would expect to see a, an upturn in results. I think they could have easily uh, come away with a with a point from that game, um, and they've got enough talent. Uh, obviously, it's it's going to be. Big change for them with with uh, Dean Smith's departure. Um, but I, I I would expect them to to put some results together sooner rather than later. Um, it's the same it's the same Brentford team we've seen we've seen this happen in the past. The sort of uh, the way that they can they can make these transitions uh, successfully. It might take a little bit of time to to sort of even itself out, but I think I think we'll expect to see them climbing the table soon.
1: Great stuff. Very insightful, Gregor. And make sure you check out his column uh, in the Times, The Journeyman, um, and also in the Football League paper as well. Gregor writes a column. We hope to speak to you again very soon. All right, thank you. What an excellent start to
0: Gregor at the game. Thank you very much for, for joining us, Gregor, and we hope that we'll hear from him in the coming weeks as well. Moving down into League One, here are a few teams who really hit the dizzy heights of two wins in one week, Coventry City. is more than just two wins for them. Five wins in a row for the first time since 1998. George, we spoke about them on Thursday. Their game against Doncaster was the match in focus on the betting show. Um, we analysed both sides and we both fell on the side of Coventry. Both of our tips are successful as well, which is sometimes hard in the match in focus, where you, you come at it from a different angle than usual. You have to look at the match and then decide a pick rather than... Um, you know, have the whole coupon to work with, but regardless, um, commentary clearly we both thought were a good thing on the weekend, and, and so it proved to be. How good are they? Where are they? Where are they going to be flirting with? I think they're currently looking at the playoffs and saying to us, "Can we? Can we enter, please? Can we come in?"
1: Wow. Am I the custodian of the playoffs? Yes. If that were the The case, then Oxford would be the other side. side. Um, You won't be giving them the keys. Six wins on the bounce in all comps um, is a hell of an effort. And you have to applaud them. I I mean, I still just can't really commit to the idea that they are one of the best teams in the league for for whatever reason. Um, But they've got really impressive performances. I do think they've had a fairly easy run of games I mean the Charlton results obviously the you know the best of mm-hmm. a lot um, but Charlton are now slipping into material mediocrity pretty quickly then our 13th um, they faced a poor Wickham, uh, Wickham team in both away games the opposition finished with 10 men I know that's not necessarily tells the whole story but they could be yeah I mean they they, they could be absolutely brilliant and they've got these such a young team such a young squad looking so impressive um, we're seeing a lot being spoken about um I mean I think last year it was Jody Jones as a person who we talk about a lot I think Tom Bayless now seems to be the player that people are speaking about as if he could be a huge thing but it's across the whole team um, and I, I find it very hard to place them currently but you cannot argue that they deserve their, uh, their success at the moment you and I both thought they'd beat Doncaster on the weekend and they obliged yeah and, uh, and they're sitting pretty in fifth place.
0: Excellent strike from Geordie Hawula to put them ahead in that game. And Luke Thomas's first professional goal, as you mentioned there, multiple people contributing to their good run of form. Jody Jones last week with the winner, Connor Chaplin and Johnson Clark-Harris all in the goals as well over the last few weeks. So really positive, that's not to mention um, their, their ever more solid defence. And here's a stat for you, Michael Doyle sitting at the base of midfield the most passes in League One this season by an absolute mile. Just spraying it at the tender old age of 36 or or something. 37. Must have just had a birthday. Mm. Anyway, um, what about Peterborough? Uh, A couple of fun facts for you here, George. They averaged the lowest possession percentage in the league in League One and the lowest pass completion as per Instat. Um, The weekend they had 34% possession against Burton uh, away from home. And I think that pretty much shows us what they try and do. They, they want to hit you on the counter-attack and it can be deadly effective as we saw with Dembele streaking clear to yeah. win
1: it. Well, they also got battered in the XG uh, match as well. by Um Yeah, deflected long-ranger and... And, you know, and a battered counter-attack. a yeah, you pace counter-attack way around the keeper. Well, that's so classic so posh, 18-19. nineteen. Is, it is. Um, Two points off the top. Still seeing a lot of fans online not particularly happy though uh, with the style of football that's being played. Yeah, so my theory on this is they've won 11 points at home and 22 away. Unbelievable.
0: So there's loads of fans who aren't going to away games who are just watching at home where they've got a, a really quite poor record relative to the rest of the league. Yeah. And so they're just seeing very different, they're, they're, you know, they're, they've got different opinions of their team, which is an interesting one. Definitely. Um, um,
1: but we're getting to, to to a stage of the season now where you've, you've got to give them credit. They've lost just three games in 16. They're in second place. Um, Steve Evans has done this before and he's getting it doesn't matter how much you have the ball if you're putting the ball in the back of the net as much as they are I mean there have to be concerns in the long term about the sustainability of this but I mean it's it's another great result and, and on their march
0: well, it's not even really in, in the long term, is it? Because actually, um, although they're still close to the top, that, that's more down to their electric start. And, and yeah. it's true that before this week, um, that, you know, that if you looked at their last six games, the results weren't particularly impressive either. But um, you're right to highlight um, you know, where, where they are good. Siriki Dembele, most completed dribbles in the league. And from what I can see on Instat, at the highest success rate as well. So a real game changer for them. And what a signing from Grimsby in the summer. Uh, Sunderland have won four in a row. And I think we saw on the weekend as I picked on the betting podcast that they are just really starting to flex their muscles now, really starting to show um, the strength and the quality that they have. And it's not always, um, they're not always dominating games. They're not always shutting the opposition out completely. But in John McLaughlin, they've probably got the outstanding goalkeeper in League One so far this season. Um, And in, in, in many of their attacking players, not just Chris Maguire, who is very much the fan favourite and who scored an absolute screamer in the weekend. But, you know, clever movement from Honeyman for the first goal. Lyndon Gooch with the cross for it, six assists this season. Uh, And Aidan McGeady coming on and scoring. I I forgot he was even there, to be honest. I know. Um, But even though he's had his injury problems and uh, his fall from grace seems quite extreme, you know, we saw at times with Preston last season as well in the Championship that he can be very, very handy. So um, a, a good run of form from Sunderland uh, and, and Southend who they beat just a word on them just another really horrid looking injury to to Ben Coker who's been through that before um, and just generally that side really struck by injuries at the moment uh, which is very unfortunate for Chris Powell um, yeah, and it for the team
1: definitely is I mean they were just starting to play a run together as well um, and their injury list is now getting so long and it's not just a lot of players who are out injured it's the lengthy injuries as well. Tom Hopper out for the mm. rest of the season. Um, I don't think Ben Coker's injury has yet been announced, but it looked like a bad one as well, yeah. and that's adding to the to the problems they already had. So it's very tough for, for Chris Powell, who, who looked like he was doing a good job there. He was another one we flagged early on in the season who are maybe not picking up the points they deserve. They started to do so, but it's yeah, I mean it's very hard to judge them now because you don't really know what kind of a team they're going to be able to put out in the in the games coming up, and that's going to be you know, for, for the fairly foreseeable future. Their home form is still very good. Um But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be difficult for them. And Luton
0: continue to roll on. Three wins in a row for them, including wins this week. Two wins. They they march on, don't they, George? And it's good news for those of us who, who pick them to keep last season's momentum going and uh, a challenge at the, at the top end of the table. Are you now after maybe a bit of a wobble that we had after five or six games, are you now pretty confident that they can, will, might challenge? Which one of those words would you use? I think I think
1: they'll, they'll challenge. I mean, will? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, no, there's no chance they're going to finish outside the top seven. So I think when you're in that, in that bracket, um, we're already seeing some of the best teams in the league. You think about how many points Portsmouth have dropped at home this season, yet they sit pretty. We've just mentioned Peterborough, who've been dropping points. Sunderland, as well earlier on in the season and Barnsley have just gone through that little wobble now which Mm. they came out of with a not particularly um, decisive 1-0 win at home to to a poor Bristol Rovers team so I don't think there's any reason and and crucially for Luton that they're winning games away from home now Mm. and, and deserving to do so so I don't think there's many teams who can lay claim to be a better team than Luton in the league right now and in Nathan
0: Jones, they have a manager whose character and the way that he approaches his, his management of the team I think can really lend itself to getting the absolute maximum out of his out of his side, Over, uh, especially during the winter months the, the momentum that he builds I mean you just see his celebrations in front of the fans after every win. Um, I know a lot of managers do that, but with Jones, it just always seems like he's you know going that one level further and, and yeah. With a few things over the last few years, we've seen him really build this sort of us against the world mentality at Luton. Opposition teams and fans always hate them. Um, they seem to get wound up quite easily as well by by opposition players and fans. So uh, all of that basically plays into this this real this mindset that can take you quite far, I think. Um, and a nice stat that I saw: they're plus eight in terms of set pieces this season. They've scored thirteen conceded five, both of those are the, at the, the better end, so that that can be a big difference maker um, and uh, really, really impressive stuff. one more league one team that we should speak about will speak about with two wins this week, but not at this stage of the podcast because, as ever, after our league two discussion, we will anoint our team of the week, so if you know who we 're talking about, then you know who we 're talking about, if not. Uh, Either way, I should say, you should be pretty excited about that chat. Let's rattle through some some sad stories in in League One at the moment. George Bradford and Wimbledon are the bottom two now. And Bradford have lost 10 out of 12. Wimbledon have lost 11 out of 13. Starting with Bradford, with other teams picking up points more regularly, your Oxfords, your Plymouths, they're really at risk of being cut adrift completely. It's like it's a zero out of 10 season so far.
1: Yeah, it's an absolute shocker. It's the, also the first year I haven't uh, sold their points about three, which is quite annoying. But um but they um it's it's completely enough to be desperate. The owner seems to have gone back to Germany, hasn't been at the last three it sounds games. like It sounds like he's given up. Yeah. Um and I think the manager it looks to me like he might be quite close to giving up as yeah. well. Um it's so hard to know where the positivity is gonna come from. Um you know, in and Doyle and, and Jack Payne, they should have two players who, who, uh, you know, should be playing at the top end of this league. But without the right guidance, without any momentum, without the support of, of, of necessarily the fans, it's it's just a difficult place to go and play at the moment. I think for their own, for themselves at home. Um, so you, yeah, I mean, you've got to be really, really concerned. Um, Pompey up next as well, so it doesn't get much easier for them. Yeah, pretty miserable times
0: at at Wimbledon at the moment Um, and we've spoken about Neil Ardley and and his position as manager there and and why any speculation surrounding a a potential departure um, is a bit different with with Neil Ardley and with his uh, relationship with AFC Wimbledon and their fans um, and whether that might buy him a bit more time Uh, Whether you think that's right or wrong, um, the fact is that he's still there. 11 losses out of 13. I've seen uh, this weekend quite a lot of anger being directed at the players as well as the management team. Uh, The assistant manager, I believe, said something along the lines of some of these guys aren't fit to wear the shirt. Um, And Mike, who is a Don's fan on Twitter, tweeted saying, if you're a player and you see this... Do something to prove your worth to the club. If you gave half of what Neil Ardley does, then we wouldn't be in this mess. He gave you the chance to play in League One, so you should pay him back. What do you think about that, George? Because I think it's pretty much accepted that managers bear the brunt of of poor form and the responsibility for it probably more, a a higher percentage than they should. Yeah. Um, But... At what point do you just, like, what do you think about saying to players, you know, pay back the manager for giving you a chance in League One?
1: I think it's it's a pure motivational tool, surely. That's it. And um, I'm sure that Arden is a very popular guy there. Um, and, I, and I think those comments are, are basically there, not there for the fans, not there for the owners. It's there to try and get the players to, to turn it around. Because, yeah. you know, whilst the buck, you know, you hear it the whole time, the buck has to stop with the manager and the manager responsible for results. I don't think that's necessarily f- true or fair. Um the buck stops with him because he's the person whose contract is, is going to be terminated because mm. the players aren't going to be but at the same time if the players aren't putting in the work if the players aren't playing well enough they're not fulfilling their abilities despite the work that's going on behind the scenes then it's up to them to step it up and I think that because of Ardley's relationship with the club because of what he's done for them as a manager um, it, it should be like a last resort for him mm. to be to get the sack yeah. so comments like this from the assistant manager make sense right? it's just saying you know, you've got to repay him for what he has done not only for the club but for you guys as well you hmm.
0: should add that was a uh, a fan on, on Twitter saying that the, the the assistant manager was the one that said some of them aren't fit to wear the shirt so ah. very strong words from, from a number of different angles there talking about Scunthorpe because uh when I was gathering the teams that we were going to talk about, just casually looking at the form table, seeing who won both their games this week and lost both their games this week, I was struck not only by the fact that Scunthorpe have lost both their games in the last seven days, but also that they've lost five games in a row. A um, bit of a surprise. I thought, I thought things were turning around under Stuart McCall.
1: So did I. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm off there on Saturdays, so, so I can give you a proper... Nice. proper scout report next week um, but it is horrific I feel like we're kind of saying the same thing about every every team here there's just nothing to be positive about I really thought that, um, that McCauley had, had come in and made them a bit of a collective force again but some shocking results recently um, some and, shocking defending as and well. that 4-1 defeat against Plymouth I mean Plymouth must be a different team to, to the one I saw a couple of weeks ago uh, well, they,
0: they're showing that they've got that in them, don't they? I mean, Definitely.
1: yeah.
0: Um, bit of a Jekyll and Hyde side, perhaps. Yeah,
1: it's very hard to... I mean, I've never been up to Scunthorpe before expecting to get anything from a game, but that might change on Saturday.
0: They've conceded 34 goals in the league in 16 games. That's more than two a match at Scunthorpe, which is absolutely embarrassing, to be honest. And And at the moment... It doesn't look that worrying. They're in 17th. they They're Well, they're only three points above the relegation zone. They really need to turn the form around. Uh, otherwise, they will get sucked into it. There are four places up for grabs, relegation to League Two. Um, whether or not you think that Bradford and Wimbledon um, are going to get cut adrift, um, Scunthorpe need to be careful, that's for sure. Doncaster lost both their games this week. I mean, against Sunderland and against Coventry, no shame in that, really, but... I wondered whether with them, and possibly we saw it with Walsall as well, who started so well, um, do you think uh, teams becoming a bit wise to them, for, you know, working out exactly what sort of special source Grant McCann was using and, and finding a way to, to combat it, or, or not enough squad depth or something? You know, they, They've dropped off a little bit, put it that way. Yeah, they They're have. not challenging with currently they haven't been getting points against playoff chasers and that's what we thought they might be
1: no but then I think they're, they're a classic case of setting a standard um, from early form they were just never really going to keep up with um, yeah. we, we had them fairly low in our pre-season predictions um, and the start maybe made us doubt that but I think mm. we're now seeing the cream of the league rising towards the top and I'm sure Doncaster will, will still pick up a fair few points a season I don't think they're going to be in danger of relegation but at the same time um, they're finding their place in the league. Quite right. Uh, Some big
0: wins to nil at home teams on the weekend. Gillingham 4-0 against Bradford and Oxford 3-0 against Shrewsbury. Worth a nod, but they didn't win both their games in the week. So no in-depth chat. So on to League 2 now, where these three teams won both their games this week. Cambridge, who very much needed it. Northampton and Forest Green. We'll start with Forest Green because they are, out of those three teams, higher up in the table and because... They beat Tranmere and Exeter, a very, very impressive week for a Forest Green side that uh, I think they're they're becoming a bit of a, they're becoming a bit of a a sort of favourite of the pod, I think.
1: Definitely. Yeah, just one loss so far this season um, and just six points off the top now, beating two quality teams Mm. in Tranmere and Exeter. And uh, that Exeter result really, I think, kind of signified their arrival to the promotion party where not (laughs) not only did they basically win the game 2-0 because they're, keep a level through his legs from 50 yards in the last minute um, which I think we can basically draw a line through that goal in terms of performances um, but they also just battered them and yeah. and didn't really concede a chance or many chances all game um, they were really good value for their win this is an Exeter team who are not only are very strong at home this season but have been very strong at home for, for donkey's years now so Um, that was the performance that showed me that they're ready to to really kick on and yeah, exciting times. Forest Green late to the promotion party
0: but they've turned up with a bag full of booze and it was a party that needed a bit of extra so well done them. Uh, A lot of the top teams failing to win this weekend. Lincoln um, just dropped off slightly in recent weeks. Uh, MK Dons drew to Mansfield. Exeter in third. They obviously lost to Forest Green. Newport drew with Morecambe. So the big winners were... Colchester, Forest Green and Tranmere over the weekend but uh, what a player Rhys Brown is the the number 10 for Forest Green but he sits and he sprays passes. Forest Green's short passing style is is very unusual for League 2 level and very noticeable if you look at um, the stats uh, they are top for possession for passes completed for time spent with the ball, it's, it's, uh, it's impressive stuff. And it's, you know, Br- Brown is very much at the heart of that. He scored a beautiful goal uh, and got a fantastic assist as well on the weekend. Northampton under Keith Curl. George, three wins, two draws, one defeat since he took charge. They were very much down there and now they're very much not uh, threatened with relegation. So that's, that's nice that but, it can yeah. only take a few weeks in League Two. and
1: Exactly, for the time being, it's important to say I, I think that they shouldn't get any ideas that they're out of it yet. Um, it feels like Carl has brought a positivity to the club. He's definitely brought goals to the club. Mm. I mean, they couldn't put their chances away. But they were another one who who were maybe a bit unlucky early on in the season and uh, maybe Carl's profiting from from the good work that was put in beforehand. But either way, um, the arrival of a new man and then a turnaround in a form like this is going to galvanise the fans, the players and everyone. And they're now certainly riding the crest of a wave. And uh, as you mentioned, have pulled away from the relegation zone. And we'll be hopeful they can push up even further.
0: Yeah, I feel like we had them pretty high in our preseason predictions, I think, in the, in the playoff places. And I, was, and I just kept saying, they've got Matt Crooks, he's really good. And they've got Kevin Van Veen, and he's really good. And they weren't proving that. Uh, Von Veen has, has struggled with injuries. And, um, you know, in the last few weeks, under curl, Crooks scored a hat-trick. First-half hat-trick from midfield against Macclesfield and Vane now has five goals and three assists this season starting to bubble away nicely so just starting to, to move towards fulfilling their potential or at least getting somewhere close and Cambridge as well they really needed this didn't they um, do, you, do you sort of take any points away from them given that it was uh, uh, beating a, an inconsistent Swindon side and then a, a, just a really miserable Macclesfield side Oh,
1: miserable Um yeah. No I mean they, they were lucky not to go 1-0 down just before the goal against Maxfield Maxfield smacking the bar from range um, but we again we mentioned it on the betting podcast that they were a team who who had actually turned the performances around well before the results mm. they looked desperate a month or so ago um, whereas they'd started to get unlucky and um, and I mean in terms of clean sheets you would got to be very impressed not to they he conceded one goal in the last three games and that was against Lincoln um, they could have beaten a 10-man Lincoln as well Um, They come up against Grimsby on the weekend and you'd expect them to win that as well. So uh, they kept the faith with Joe Dunn, and he's he's repaying them because Mm. the the results and the performances look really good. Moving on to the losses. I said
0: miserable Macclesfield. Uh, I should justify that uh, and I will happily double down. Um, They don't have a manager. They still don't have a manager, Macclesfield. One wonders whether they might be waiting for uh, John Askey and Shrewsbury to possibly uh, uncouple uh, and, which would and be then Hurst,
1: and then Hurst goes to Shrewsbury well quite I don't think they'd want him but yeah
0: yeah interesting that uh, but anyway uh, here are some stats from Acresfield. Um they haven't conceded a single goal in the first 15 minutes of games which is good uh, but they've conceded 11 goals in the last 15 minutes of games um, less good it is miserable there um, they just really really struggle to win games and even to eke out draws uh, they've scored just 13 goals in their 16 games and they've conceded 31 so bad at both ends of the pitch um, they don't they don't give much semblance of control in possession um, and the direct well the direct style is, is not proving to be that effective so uh, apologies Macclesfield fans if if that seems a little harsh but uh, it just strikes me that there's just a lot of losing at the moment and I'm not necessarily blaming anyone. Uh, because it was a turbulent summer, but uh, that is my justification for saying miserable Macclesfield. What about cha- chaotic Cheltenham? Just searching for alliteration. Chaotic Cheltenham. Yeah, <laughs> chaotic Cheltenham. So, searching for alliteration, not quite finding it. But um, yeah, Mike Duff
1: hasn't quite turned things around. Yeah, a bit like them searching for a win, eh? Ooh, mm. uh, yeah. Nice. They, it's 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 pretty ropey, isn't it? Yeah, uh, Cheltenham. Um, Lack of the, confidence. The manager, well, just lack of quality, I think as well. Um, the managerial change hasn't had the impact they'd have hoped for. Um, the introduction of a you know a club legend as a player hasn't provided the, the you know the galvanising um, effect they'd hope. It's again, it's, a, it's just another one where you just got to sit here and say it's hard to see where the points are going to come from. Really, they've only really scored um,
0: five goals from open play. Fifteen Va- games.
1: Luke Varney's their top scorer on two. Yeah. 36 year Varney. I mean, when you're thinking of the quality of the man they had up, to up front last season and the money they got for him and what they're having to make do with now, you'd have to hope You'd have to hope they're going to be able to invest in January. Otherwise, it's, uh, they're going to be in a real scrap to keep their league status. And the last team before we talk about our team of the week, well done those of you who have
0: gamely clung on for that one, uh, is Notts County, who are just above... The relegation zone, they're 22nd with 12 points, two above Cheltenham, who are themselves three above Macclesfield. George, why hasn't Harry Kuehl, from my eyes, why isn't he turning things around at Notts County?
1: I mean, it's very hard to say. Uh, do, do you attribute some blame to him? Because he's failing to, to, to put, you know, what's quite an expensively assembled squad together into something... I think there's a difference between saying he's, let's say,
0: failed to turn it around, and saying he hasn't turned it around. I'm sort of, I'm saying yeah. he hasn't yet. That, I, I'm not attributing blame. I'm I mean, this, wondering. This
1: time I saw some quotes of him talking about how he's going to bring tremendous football back to Notts County. Mm. I was thinking, just concentrate on getting a couple of, a couple of points on the board first, Harry. Yeah, we we spoke about how
0: this was a team who, who off the field had. Had turned from being a bit of a laughing stock in, in the previous decade to uh, the chairman, Alan Hardy, very much settling the shit. But there was a little bit of, uh, of sort of slapstick uh, this week where Jamie Turley, who was sent off in midweek for Notts County, uh, then had his red card correctly rescinded after what was a, a very poor refereeing decision in midweek against MK Dons, only to get straight back in the side and score an own goal. Um, which was the winning goal. So Swindon managing to beat Notts County 2-1 with only one shot on target. So really, really not great stuff there for Notts County. But, um, you know, uh, you still feel like there's, there's potential for them to, to move upwards, to move away. And that's where the worry for Cheltenham and, and Macclesfield really stems from for me. What about our team of the week, uh, George? We, we've spoken about them a lot in the last few weeks and mostly... It's been incredibly negative. You saw them play at the Kassam Stadium and said that this team were terrible. He said they were absolutely rubbish. He said that Freddie Ladarpo, their striker, uh, struggles with goal scoring. He's got five in three. And Plymouth, with a 3-1 win against Gillingham and a 4-1 win against Gunthorpe, are they on the march?
1: Is this the start of it? Are we seeing the same as we saw last season? (laughs) I'm not going to call that, but credit where credit's due. I mean, I haven't had a... Phone call from Derek Adams yet thanking me for. I presume he put that article up on the on the changing room. Plymouth Herald. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, hopefully, this is in the Plymouth Herald tomorrow as well. Uh, yeah, brilliant, amazing. I mean, I, I'm absolutely flabbergasted that they've managed to score nine goals in the three games since I saw them. <laughs> but, uh, but fair play, it's it's, it's Groundhog Day. They've um, they hit rock bottom, um, probably in that in that Plymouth. Burton game where they where they lost three yes. two and Derek Adams came out afterwards criticizing a, a small section of the fans. Yobs, that felt like that was probably rock bottom, and I think a defeat against Gillingham at home in the next game probably could have sparked the end for him. Mm. Um, but three one and four one a, a massive win uh, away at Scunthorpe, really showing that because I think uh, Gillingham have been have been seen off away from home by by a few ropey teams in this league, so that was nothing special. And I know Scunthorpe are conceding a lot of goals, but at any at any level, you know, to go away from home. And beat a team four-one, having played on the Tuesday is really really impressive. Uh, Ladapo, um, I'm delighted and amazed for him that he's managed to find his shooting boots. I'm well, sure it just makes
0: such a big difference, doesn't it? when, yeah. he's, when, he's, when he's firing wide from ten yards. As he did multiple times um, a few weeks ago, then we're discussing the fact that without Kerry and lamirez they don't really have much attacking talent mm. all of a sudden when you're converting your chances at a, at a higher lick that that doesn 't seem to be an issue anymore yeah absolutely it really is as simple as that but some some really good goals from him in the and last and few weeks
1: I think you know in in fairness after what I said the other day I mean Adams has to take huge credit um, he's it's incredible that he's managed to uh, to To turn around, as I said, I thought he sounded fairly... Defeated. Yeah, just defeated, and and, and like he didn't believe he could really do it. So that's definitely not the case now. Um, I'm going to be so intrigued to see if they can do this again. I mean, I I still think any Plymouth fans who who don't have the expectation of just survival should have a rethink. Um, I don't think what happened last season is going to happen again, personally.
0: Um, Well, that's what they're going for. I mean, the board clearly knew exactly what they were doing, waiting to see what would happen because um, before these two games, they'd played 14, uh, a record of one win, four draws and nine defeats, bottom of the table with seven points. At the exact same point last season after 14 games, Exactly the same record. One win, four draws, nine losses, bottom of the table. And we know what happened last year in the end. We ended up talking about a potential playoff push um, by you know February, March time. So let's see. It'll be fascinating to watch. And if they do pull it off, if they do fly up the table in the same manner as they did last year, then we have to start questioning what on earth is going on um, in the first two months of the season, but also um, quite how uh, he, he's managing to, to turn things around mid-season. But Plymouth undoubtedly are our team of the week and um yeah absolutely fantastic and um thank you very much to the Plymouth Herald for listening uh, all the way to the end of the podcast we hope you get some good quotes out of it um and just uh, yeah we'll invoice you Uh, at another time (laughs) Um, anyway thank you very much for listening guys um it's been a it's been a long pod um but hopefully you've enjoyed it with the addition of uh, gregor at the game um and rattling through a lot of teams from across all three divisions we're going to be talking league one and league two on efl matters on sky sports football at 7 p.m on thursday Uh, it's repeated throughout friday as well so get it on the planner Um, or find yourself half an hour to watch that. Really looking forward to to joining David Pratton in the studio. And um, thank you very much for listening to this podcast. Until Thursday's betting show, that is it from us.